Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. If you mark in your Bibles or take notes of things, I'd like for you to to draw your attention to verse number two, the very first three words. It says, preach the word. Would you say those three words with me? Preach the word. Say it again, please. Preach the word. I would like to label my sermon title today with those three words. You know, when I was in high school, Jesus Christ saved my soul. I was 16 years old. And I began to, to get interested in reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and listening to preaching. And I remember I went to a church service. I'm not going to name the church because, to be quite frankly, I don't remember what the name of the church was. But I went and visited a church and listened to a pastor preach. And, and here's what he did. He read the Bible and he closed his Bible and he set the Bible aside and he had his own message and own agenda. So help me God that if I ever read a portion of God's Word and set the Bible aside and preach my own opinions, may God have mercy in my soul. May God have mercy on any church and any ministry that would not take the Word of God and preach the Word of God. Today, it's a reminder for all of us when we look into the life of Timothy and to the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul's writing this young lad in the faith and he's encouraging him in his last chapter of writing. And he says, preach the Word. Church, you are called, I am called, to preach a message found in the Bible. And that is this. In fact, if I could label uh, one statement to summarize all the content of my message today, is this. Every Christian is commanded by God to publish the divine truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every Christian is commanded by God to publish the divine truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This word preach, it literally means to publish and to proclaim. God is commanding us. He's commissioned us and he's called every one of us to lift up our voices and to herald forth the message that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin 2,000 years ago. That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life for 33 years. He did not sin in thought, word, or deed. And he was taken and they drove him to the cross where he would pay the penalty of sin, your sins and my sins. And then three days later, give God the glory. He rose again. And now he ascended up to glory in heaven. And now he's awaiting for his return. The Bible says that is the message that God has called us to preach. And if my message that I preach to you or a Sunday school teacher teaches does not centralize on that thought, then may God have mercy on our ministry here. How does God expect us to preach His Word? You ever thought about that? Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, preach the Word. But as I was meditating here in this passage, I asked myself that question and I want to answer it in three ways today. Today I want to share with you three ways that God expects us to proclaim His Word. First of all, as I read verses 1 and 2 of our passage, I wrote down this, preach the Word consistently. Preach the word consistently. This passage reminds us that eventually there's going to come a day where people don't want to hear 
the Bible. And I submit to you that when people want to hear what the Word of God says, and when people do not want to hear what the Word of God says, we are called to herald forth the message. If you go back to 2001 on 9-11, you, you know as well as I do, church houses were full. Everybody wanted to hear God's Word because we were going through a, a, a tragedy and, and we needed some, some encouragement. And sure, I'm not saying it's wrong to turn to the Bible for encouragement. In fact, that's the place you should go to for encouragement. But I'm here to tell you something today that, that even in a time of tragedy, when, when people are, are, are hungry, in a sense, to, to, to hear God's Word, we're called to preach it. And even when, when, when our society is living in victory, when we are completely full with, with money in our pockets and, and we're, we don't have any trials going on, we're still called to preach God's word then. The Bible says here to be instant in season and out of season. You know, as I was meditating here, I, I'm reminded of a, of a farmer or, or somebody who, who, who is, who's, does gardening. And if you know anything about gardening, now is about the time where you're getting prepared to, to get that garden ready. And if you haven't planted some stuff already, but you know that 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 if you that if you take certain certain seeds and you plant them at certain times times, then then they're going to harvest something. Apple trees are harvest, you know, in the fall. We get apples in September in Boone's Mill. They have what's called the Apple Festival. Why do they have it in fall? Because that's when apples are. Harvested, And here we, we see in a correlation that, that just as a farmer goes out and he sows his seed and he reaps a harvest, the Bible says that we're constantly supposed to be sowing the seed of the Word of God. And, and then if we continually sow the seed of God's Word, then we're going to continually reap a harvest. Now, you may reap a harvest later on, many years down the road. You, you, you heard about that missionary. He went overseas his entire life. And he sowed the word of God and he didn't have anybody come to know Christ as Savior. But as soon as he gave up the bucket and died... God began to work in that area. We read about the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, how he preached God's word faithfully. And nobody wanted to hear his word. Isaiah preached the word of God consistently. And the people of God did not want to hear his word. So may I remind us about this thought? When the world decides they don't want to hear the word of God, we preach it. When they want to hear God's word, we preach it. When the church doesn't want to hear God's word, we preach it. And when the church does want to hear God's word, we preach it. I, I'm afraid today, my fellow friends, may I just lay it all out on the table? We live in an age in the modern church where the, where the church of all people who should be hungry for God's word doesn't want to hear God's word. And it's time that we get back to the word of God, not the opinions of man, but the oracles of the God man. As I read verse number one, I, we read about, we read about the, the, the second coming. So I wrote down this, consistently proclaim, proclaim Christ is coming again. Did you know Jesus Christ is going to come again? The Bible says here in verse number one that Paul, he's writing, he says, I charge thee, it's an exhortation. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that, that means those who are alive and the dead. Whether you like it or not, we're all going to stand before God. We're going to give an account for everything that we've ever thought, everything that we've ever said, and everything that we've ever done. The Bible says, in fact, Jesus said, every idle word that we speak, we will give an account. And here, the Word of God says that judgment day is coming. Extra, extra, read all about it. Judgment Day is coming to a city near you. 
Soon and very soon the rapture is going to take place. Soon and very soon Jesus is going to come back and plant his foot on the Mount of Olives. And soon and very soon he's going to establish his earthly kingdom. But I wonder this, this morning if you're here today, are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for the second appearing of Jesus Christ? If you, if you went up in the, if the rapture took place right now, would you, would you go up or would you stay right here? Or if, if you died right now, would you be prepared to stand before God? Consistently proclaim Christ is coming again. I also wrote on this, consistently proclaim Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus said himself, these are not my words, these are the words found in John chapter 14, and you probably got to memorize. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The writer of, of the book of Acts said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Paul said in Philippians that every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is God. And our purpose is, is hey, I know religion may be all good and dandy for, for certain people and, and, and all that stuff, but, but there's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. There's only one way of salvation, and it's by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Consistently proclaim, you must be born again. John chapter 3, that famous passage where we read about John 3.16 that you got memorized, but let's back up a few verses. Jesus is having a meeting with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was... Um, a little afraid about meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ, so he went to meet him by night so other people wouldn't see him going to meet Jesus. And there he asked Jesus, or in fact, Jesus said, you must be born again. And he said, does that mean I got to go back in my mother's womb and come out again? Does that mean I got to be born twice? I mean, how would you mothers like that? <laughs> that would not be fun for sure. But Jesus said, you must be born of the Spirit and of the water. So he says there's a natural, a physical birth, and a spiritual birth. And he said you must be born again. He said you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you be born again. You say, I believe in God. That's great. The Bible says in the book of James, I believe that there's one God. The devils also believe and tremble. A belief in God does not get somebody to heaven. A belief that the Bible is true doesn't necessarily get somebody into heaven. How does somebody get to heaven? Well, they have to be born again. That literally means born from above. The Holy Spirit has got to come and reside in you. Philip, when he was speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch said this, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross? Do you believe that Jesus Christ paid your penalty of sin? And do you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave? If you believe that with your heart, the Bible says you shall be saved. What did Paul say in Romans? He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Preach the word consistently. The Bible says to be instant in season and out of season. Every Christian is commanded by God to publish the divine truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May I share with you secondly? As I read uh, the second half of verse number two all the way down to verse number four, I, I wrote down this. Not only preach the word consistently, but I wrote down secondly, preach the word correctly. Preach the word correctly. Did you know there's a right way to proclaim the word of God and a wrong way to proclaim the word of God? Here's what I mean by that. Correctly proclaim the word by pleasing God, not men. 
Now, I like you guys, and I hope and pray you like me. <laughs> but I'm not here to necessarily make you happy with every sermon that I preach. In fact, I'm sure there's been a time or two when I preached a message that, that you just didn't like me afterwards. <laughs> and that's okay. You have to take it up with God when you meet with Him. <laughs> but today, as I, as I stand here, as I read this, this verse, I'm reminded in verse number 2, that Paul was urging Timothy, hey, hey, there's going to be a time in your ministry, young man, that when you're teaching and preaching the Word of God, even the people of God aren't going to like you. And that's why you're called to please God. You see, when I first became the pastor here, I did everything in my power to please every single one of you. And I went home uh, after a few months, I said, God have mercy on my soul. <laughs> so I just decided early on in my ministry that I was going to please one person and his name is Jesus. And if I please Jesus, then I, theoretically I should please the church of God. Correctly proclaim the word by pleasing God, not man. As you're teaching your children, as you're teaching your grandchildren, as you're teaching your Sunday school class, or, your, or the place that God has put you, do it for God and not for man. But as I continue to read verse number three, I wrote down this. Correctly proclaim the word even when it's rejected by man. Look at verse number three. It says, for the time will come when they will not endure. That means to persevere, to continue going. Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine means wholesome, divine teaching from heaven. That's all it means. Now, I don't know if you've watched the news lately or smelled the, the fresh air in our society, but as a whole, as a whole in the world, most people... Do not want the Word of God. In fact, we, we have edumacated ourselves, and yes, I said edumacated. We have edumacated ourselves with so much knowledge that we thought we have outsmarted God today. Today, we, we've, we've developed all these inventions that are so powerful that we, we have literally <laughs> thought we have more strength than God. But may I remind you that God is the all-knowing God. He's omniscient. He knows it all. And he's the all-powerful God, omnipotent. He created the world by speaking it into existence. And listen, there's an age that we're living in today that, that they may not want to hear it, but we are called to continue proclaiming it even when it's rejected by man. I also wrote down this. Correctly proclaim his word by publishing it, by publishing, excuse me, its uncorrupted truth. Correctly proclaim the word by publishing its uncorrupted truth. The Bible goes on to say, in, in verse number four, it says that they, in fact, let me read verse number three, the last part. It says, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You see, all this means is that, is that they're going to go to somebody who, who sees it the exact way that they see it, whether it's true or not true. They want to hear, they want their ears to be tickled and, and, and touched in a way that, that, that they're hearing exactly what they want to hear, not necessarily what they need to hear. Then verse number four says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now sometimes fables are stories that are fun to listen to, but they may not always be true. I don't know about you, but I want the Word of God not a falsified story. I want the holy oracles of Jesus Christ and not a fairy tale. 
I want the truth. And that's what the book is that you're holding. It is the true word of God. If you don't believe me, just go to the Museum of the Bible in D.C. and they will walk you through how this book was put together and how it is the true scriptures from heaven. Preach the word correctly. Preach the word consistently. But here's something that we often miss sometimes. As I read verse number five, I wrote down this. Preach the word compassionately. Preach the word compassionately. Uh, perhaps you, you, you're like me. I mean, if you like to listen to preaching, maybe you've, you've heard a preacher or two over the years that was preaching hell was so hot and he was happy that people were going there. But you know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25 that hell was created, not for you and not for me, but for the devil and the demonic spirits or the angels that fell with him. So hear me well today. God is not happy about the fact that people are dying and going to hell. God is not pleased of the fact that people are going to spend all eternity separated from his presence. He's not happy about that. And what it should do, it should move us to compassion. It should move us to love. That means that to love somebody so much to share with them the glorious news that Jesus saves. You see that sign in Roanoke as you're driving downtown, that Brethren Church that has that sign glowing in the night. Jesus saves over there in Grandin area. And he does save. And we are called to do it with compassion, with love. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. As I read verse number five, it says, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. I wrote down these three thoughts. Compassionately proclaim the word by enduring every tragedy. You see, when tragedy hits your life as a Christian, the temptation is to get mad and angry at God. But may I just share with you another perspective. Perhaps God is allowing that tragedy to take place so that he can better conform you more to his image, so that he can make you a better child of God and so that in the future, everything that you've experienced from your past all the way to the present, so that you can help somebody who's going through the same exact thing. Whether it's a cancerous disease or whether it is a, a, an addiction or whatever it is, maybe God allowed you to go through all of it so that you could better serve him and better glorify Him with everything you went through. It says, do the work of an evangelist. This word evangelist occurs three times in the New Testament. It occurs right here. It occurs in the book of Acts where it says, Philip the evangelist, it labels him as an evangelist. And then it occurs in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says that he gave some prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors and evangelists. This word evangelist is just simply somebody who is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. An evangelist, whether our world wants to believe this or not, an evangelist is not somebody who has seven suits and seven sermons and he blows into a church and he blows the church up and he blows out. That's not what an evangelist is. An evangelist is a person who is dedicated in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's you and that's me, or at least that's what God has called us to do. Now, sure, there are some people who have the gift of evangelism, that when they speak and they go out and share the good news, I mean, everybody and their sister, brother, uncle, aunt, and nephew get saved. And we praise the Lord for folks like that. But, but listen, for the most part, that's not necessarily going to happen. And we are called to do the work of an evangelist. Go out into the harvest fields and labor for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then it says, make full proof of thy ministry. I wrote down this, compassionately proclaim the word by full proofing your ministry. You know why there's guardrails up on the side of a mountain? So that if you're, you know, like me, and you're looking at the beautiful nature, you might swerve, and instead of going off the cliff, you hit the guardrail. You know, I believe that perhaps one of the reasons why the modern church is failing is because we've forgotten the importance of setting up guardrails. And it doesn't matter how much love you show upon somebody. When there's hypocrisy in your Christian walk, people don't want to hear the message of Christ coming from your mouth. So I ask us all today, are we setting up the right guardrails in our life to where when we, we are prone to go astray, that when we go astray, we hit the guardrail instead of going off the cliff? Perhaps we should set up guardrails with what we watch on TV, with what we, for what we view online, for the things that we say, the people that we hang around. All sorts of stuff. Perhaps we should set guardrails up for what's, what we're allowing pour into our minds through our eyes and to our ears. Because what we listen to, what we watch, what we view will eventually affect the way we behave. Two thousand years ago, the world experienced the greatest love the world has ever seen. The Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ demonstrated that love and he's expecting you and me to demonstrate that love to everybody else. As we come to a close, may I ask us all this sobering question? Are we faithfully proclaiming God's word? Or are we unfaithfully proclaiming God's word? God expects us to preach the word compassionately, correctly, and consistently. Every Christian is commanded by God to publish the divine truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week. <laughs>